You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Podcast. I'm your host Ryan Abraham, joined alongside of Chris Trevino, right over here. We're both in studio in Redondo Beach, California, bringing you our Peristyle Podcast episode with Ryan and Chris, talking about all things USC football. Welcome to all of our YouTube uh, watchers, subscribers. We're simulcasting this on our YouTube channel over at YouTube slash Inside Troy, so you can check us out over there. Please subscribe, and we want you to subscribe to uscfootball.com as well. You can do that for a dollar a month and subscribe to the Peristyle podcast on any of the podcasting platforms. We do appreciate that uh, any way you can get the, the podcast in video form or audio form. And of course, reading all our content over at uscfootball.com. We appreciate that as well. You can follow our buddy Chris right over here at Chris and Trevino. He's eclipsed the 10,000 uh, follower mark. That's why he's got the tattoo on his, uh, on his calf to show it. You can follow me at inside Troy and all the rest of our, Staff over there, and we got an exciting show for you today. Got to talk about Jordan Addison, the new NCAA transfer portal rankings, 24-7 sports put out there. We're talking about some Pac-12 revenue shortfall and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we're going to answer your questions like we always do. If you have any questions or comments for us, uh, you can email us at podcast or podcast at uscfootball.com and leave us a voicemail or shoot us over a text, 424-254-9141. Is the number I already mentioned the Apple Podcasting app? Uh, if you want to subscribe there, follow us at the Peristyle Podcast, and please leave us a five star review. It does help to grow the show. Well, let's uh, let's welcome in Chris because he's sitting right next to me, uh, even though we're not like looking at each other. But I'm looking uh, right over there. Chris, how you doing, sir? You doing all right? I'm doing good. If you don't know, I was on vacation over the weekend. Took about five days off. Obviously, I triggered. The Jordan Addison commitment. That's just how it goes. I don't make the rules. So you're welcome, USC fans. Feel free to send me a thank you email or a thank you basket or whatever yeah. you want to send me. You can send it my way because it is my responsibility. Mm. It is my it is my fault that it happened on Thursday. The exact day I start my vacation. It's a little <laughs> it's a little suspicious, Ryan. It was a little. And I sat right in this chair. We would normally do this together, but you are off on your vacation. I mean, Chris is always on vacation. I don't even know when he works. Oh, my goodness. Just kidding. He never goes on a vacation. Him and Gerard both never go on vacation. But I think I sat here and said that, like, you never go anywhere. So you went. Uh, the so one I, time I go somewhere. So I did a little video uh, talking about it. We put it up on the podcast uh, platform, too. We've, we've talked, you know, quite a bit about it. But you and I haven't got to talk about uh, the addition of Jordan Addison. But 24-7 Sports also came out with a re-rank of all of the top prospects. So... I got a list of the top like hundred guys that are in the Pac-12, and uh, USC dominates that list. So we could talk about that stuff a little bit. 
Uh, before we jump in to all the excitement, I want to thank our sponsor. Trader Joe's been great to us uh, over the years. And I know one of your favorites, Chris, is the orange chicken. I went back to Trader Joe's and picked up a bag of orange chicken, but also picked up the uh, chicken fried rice. So I don't know if you've done that. Usually I'll do the orange chicken. I like to bake it in the oven and then you heat up the sauce and kind of toss it in the sauce. It's, it's really good. And I'll get the, you know, like the three minute rice that you can get in the bags, the frozen rice and stuff. But I'm like, you know, I'm going to try. I got some new, um, uh, like, uh, skillets that, you know, nonstick skillets, a set of those. I've had like these ones for a while and I'm like, I'm going to get some new ones. And so I have this big one and you could do the entire bag of, I think it's a 14 inch skillet. So the whole bag of the Trader Joe's chicken fried rice. So did that in the skillet with some oil and stuff came out really good. And ate it with my orange chicken. Maybe a little overkill when you have orange chicken and the chicken, the fried rice. But uh, I highly recommend the meal. I just ate the leftovers right before the show, before I came over here. So uh, it was good. But I know you're an orange chicken fan. Big orange chicken guy. If you're looking for a little bit different fried rice, my girlfriend loves the kimchi fried rice that they have. So that's when we want to like change it up a little bit. Also, the cilantro wontons that they have delicious i like to take some of the orange chicken throw some of the uh, fried rice and then throw a couple of the wontons on it's delicious so if you're feeling a little little asian tonight you can go with a bunch of different options very cool all right but thanks again to uh trader joe's all right chris we want to get into some uh you know since you were gone since you left on vacation again uh this jordan addison talk uh caused quite the scuttlebutt we'll talk about some other aspects of it but just Get your overall thoughts since we haven't got to talk to you on the podcast about it. Uh, what it means for USC, what kind of player it is, any, anything you want to talk about, Jordan Addison. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's been talked about a lot over the last five days since he committed. So don't need to spend a ton of time. You know, you know what USC sort of getting. You're getting a major college football award winner. You're getting the 2021 Bolitnikoff winner. Just an overall big impact player. We've talked about this multiple times. Jordan Addison is not a need for USC, but he was a big want. You know, you want to get a guy like that on this offense. You want him on your sideline, not the opposing sideline. And it just sort of changes the whole outcome of what this offense could look like. We knew this offense was going to put up a lot of points. There was no doubt about that. Now it's like just push it up a little bit more from that. You know, we've talked about how USC's wide receiver room doesn't really have a true number one like that Drake London type. You know, we figured it would be sort of a Mario Williams, Brendan Brendan Rice kind of deal. Other guys getting the ball. Kyle Ford, Terrell Bynum, just spreading the ball out. But now you have an established number one guy. Mario Williams can be a number one guy. Brendan Rice can be a number one guy. But you have an established number one guy packaged and ready to go for this Lincoln Riley offense and a Heisman caliber quarterback in Caleb Williams. Obviously, they still have to get that chemistry down. They still need to get on the same page when it comes to that. But I don't think anyone should be worried about that. That's going to come in the summer. He's already on campus. You know, so you saw Gavin Morris kind of tweet that photo out. Uh, the Portal Rangers with that uh, that famous photo, the Portal photo. And he's here on campus. Sure, he's already going over the playbook. Going to throw some PRPs this summer. Get on the same page with Caleb. But, you know, Addison can repeat as a Blitnikoff Award winner. He can repeat as a, a consensus All-American First round pick. I think USC's first round draft uh, streak is safe now, Ryan. I think there's a good chance that's going to keep going uh, for the 2023 draft. So 
a lot of a lot of things it changes now that you have Addison in the fold. One being now you have a guy who can be your true number one, and then how are you gonna double team him? Because you got Mario, you got Brendan, you got Kyle Ford, you got Michael Jackson, you got you got all these guys ready and eager to catch some some passes in this offense. So just changes a lot. Just makes this offense so much more dynamic. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um I mean, the guy caught 100 balls last year. Like, obviously, adding that to your roster uh, helps a lot. It's funny. I did the podcast of Champions a little bit earlier. So it's just one of those things. I made a drop. I'll play it for you guys. So this is – so when I do the Pac-12 podcast, you know, we talk about USC. The last six, seven years when I'm talking about USC, it mostly hasn't been positive. But everyone kind of realizes now, oh, man, they hired, they hired Lincoln Riley. There's always, like, this Death Star analogy. So I made this drop for you guys. came from the Death Star. That thing's operational. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> so I put That's that great. together. That's yeah. great. Uh, I need to probably split it up because, like, if Dave's talking about, oh, USC got another five-star player or something, you can play, like, let the hate flow through you. Obviously, you know, USC picks up a five-star commit. You can play the the Death Mar- you know, the Death Star March or whatever that is, the you know, Darth Vader one. Uh, but we yeah, need to start stuff. investing in more positive sounds. <laughs> I have positive sound. I know. I'm not. We need more though. We it's need some be more. more positive. We but, need a transfer portal sound. Oh, we need like a. I don't know, like a like hyper a, warp or something. Yeah, like a, like like a star, like like something. We just need something. Maybe something from like Battlestar Galactica, like an '80s sound, like from like a space sound or something. Might yeah, be good. Something. We, we, we'll, we'll workshop it off. off well, off yeah, yeah. Paper. I love that. Um, okay, so looking at the so 24/7 Sports ranks the players that are in the transfer portal sort of like recruits and it affected Jordan Addison. He was previously like the number five overall prospect. He's moved up to number three, but USC has cemented their spot as the number one ranked uh, program. As far as transfer portal goes uh, clear, number one, uh, well ahead of old miss and Lane Kiffin at number two, UCLA actually creeped up in their top 10. They're number seven. Um, right now, but if you look overall in the Pac-12, um, USC, UCLA, Arizona State is third, uh, Oregon's fourth, Washington fifth. Now, Oregon and Washington, you know, coaching changes that make sense. Arizona State lost a lot of guys, so they're at they've added a bunch uh, trying to um, bring people in. UCLA, that's just sort of been Chip's philosophy. He's been adding players to the transfer portal, and um, Arizona, Utah, Washington State, California, and Colorado. That's the top ten. And Stanford, Oregon State really haven't really been game players. Uh, they only brought in one transfer each. Um, they've had established coaches and stuff, so probably more of the high school focus than uh, transfer portal. But for USC, like securing that number one spot, um, I mean, yeah, it's pretty clear. Once you got add a guy like Addison, they were already. I think they were already number one, Chris. They were. They had like a four point lead. I think this pushed them to like a ten point lead over Ole Miss. So yeah, and then pushed them to number six in the overall rankings, which takes into account the high school and the transfer class. Right, high school was sixty five. Uh, transfer number one, <laughs> it put it together, and you get six. <laughs> I don't. I don't know the math. Don't ask me what the the formula, or the algorithm is, but USC number six overall class. Behind Texas, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and obviously Texas A&M with that historic high school class they signed. So not a bad spot for a team that went 4-8 and eight last year. No. Uh, yeah, that's it's a huge one to be number six overall when you only signed eight high school players. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's, a big, that's a big jump. Obviously, it's a you know, reworking of the roster. 
Real quick, uh, so the top 100 players, I did this for the Podcast of Champions, um, kind of showing where the Pac-12 players were. Um, USC has the number one player in uh, Caleb Williams, the number three player in Pitt, you know, wide receiver Jordan Addison, and then the number nine player, uh, Oklahoma wide receiver Mario Williams. So uh, two of the five stars and then three of the top 10. And no one in the Pac-12 has anybody else in the top 20. Um Washington State as the next highest player at number 22 with uh, Incarnate Ward quarterback Cameron uh, Incarnate Ward quarterback Cameron Ward. You got uh, it. You got it. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's, he's actually stud. And then next is USC right behind that 23, Eric Gentry. Um, and so USC also has number 28 player uh, Travis Dye from Oregon, the running back. Uh, the number 68 player is uh, Brendan Rice from Wide receiver, the wide receiver from Colorado, and they also have Oklahoma cornerback Latrell McCutcheon. He comes in at number 80. So I think there's some guys USC's brought in that could potentially make this list. Um, and not easy to rank the transfers a lot of the times. You, you know, it depends on what they do. Um, you know, how much you're going to rank, you know, weigh what they did in high school versus what they did at the previous school. And then when you get to see them in the spring, you know, what, how much do you weigh what spring football uh, did as well? So um, yeah, like dominating the top 100 uh, dominating the top 10 USC has been crushing the transfer portal market. Not over yet, but you know, not as many, I don't know about the top hundred, how many players are undecided at this point. There's, I think there's only a, a handful of them, if anything, but um, yeah, pretty, pretty good spot to be in. I think if you're USC. Yeah, overall, you know, just looking past the top 100, it was a top 247 transfer portal ranking. So there was 247 players ranked in these transfer rankings. And as we know, there was way more than 247 transfers uh, in the portal. Yes. There's like over a thousand maybe. Is that a right number? I think there was. Yeah. Yeah. 1,400 or something crazy. So overall, USC had 14 players ranked in that uh in that top 247 as we mentioned five in that top 30 you know Caleb Williams Jordan Addison Mario Williams number nine Eric Gentry number 23 and Travis Dye at number 28 I'm just gonna rally off the the other guys real quick number 68 was Brendan Rice number 80 uh Latrell McCutcheon number 139 Romello Height number 148 Bryson Shaw uh, their house state safety that USC picked up right after spring. Number 167, Austin Jones. Number 178, Bobby Haskins. Number 200, wide receiver Terrell Bynum. Number 204, linebacker Shane Lee. And then rounding out the group, number 237, the new DB, Jacoby Covington. So a lot of guys in that top 247. Yeah, it got, and it's funny. So I, I was talking to David Woods. You know, they brought in the uh, the, the defensive end twins um, from North Texas. Murphy's, and he said the they were twins. like, they're probably – could have like the biggest impact of anyone on the defense, you know. So, and they weren't ranked in the top hundred. Interesting. Guy like Shane Lee, I mean, comes in the becomes a leader of USC's defense, and like he's not in the top hundred. So, I think there's some guys like the Terrell Bynum's of the world and Shane Lee's, Romello Heights that that aren't in the top hundred. You know, the two four seven guys, they're top two four seven guys that you can be like, wow, uh, I think those guys can be big contributors. So, some of the stuff is is hard because if you watched what Shane Lee did or heard what he did in the spring or the Murphy twins did in the spring for UCLA. You're like, yeah, they're probably going to, you know, as far as impact goes, you think you want them ranked higher. Uh, I don't know. 
how they do the rankings and stuff. Did they consult you about any of the players uh, for rankings? Me personally? Yeah. No. I wonder if they did Gerard or... I don't think I personally was asked anything about the rankings, but um, yeah. Uh, you sound offended. No, 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 not at all. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm just messing with I don't you, need Ryan. To be messed, I don't be involved in ranking stuff, but it's... I mean, obviously there's some arbitrary stuff there, but the fact that these players... A lot of it, I think, is based on sort of what, you know, they were a four-star before. Um, but there's some guys, I think, that won't be ranked as high for USC that will have a, a really big impact. So, um, yeah, good stuff there. Speaking uh, of rankings, I just want to say, if you're listening to this podcast, I get a lot of questions about why isn't USC's new O-line commit, Cooper Lovelace, ranked or when is he going to be ranked? Yeah. I check with 247. He'll be ranked and evaluated by the end of the week in the next couple of days. So stop asking me about it. I'm tired of asking, getting asked about it. So I followed up. I got the answer for you. He'll be ranked, evaluated in the coming few days. So that that's my update. Perfect. Uh, yeah, he's my boy, Coop. I love that dude already. So great. The guy can do splits and he's Is this your first, your, your boy who was a lineman? Uh, in the guy. past, I, I've definitely had linemen like um, Lawrence Jackson for sure was my guy back in the day. Um, it's funny I got to run into I did the Juju Smith Schuster uh, lunch. I mean uh, Luau like dinner for his fundraiser. Got to talk to Dave Baker and Sam Baker. Um, you know former USC All American offensive lineman Sam Baker. Sure, so sure. He was a good dude. Always like talking to him. The Khalils I like Ryan Khalil was like one of my guys. Um, so yeah, I, I've had linemen before, probably not recently. Uh, so we'll see, but yeah, I like Coop a lot. Um, there's some disturbing reports coming out of, because, you know, there's a lot of talk of like, Hey, what's USC going to do? USC, everything's lining up for USC. They got to win games though, right? Like you, you can add all the transfer portal players you want. You can hire all the best coaches. You can get a lot of hype and, and a lot of talk. We'll talk about some of the odds later on, but you got to win. Um, you gotta, you have to win games. If USC does win games, I think they're going to be in a good spot. It'll be interesting to see what happens because the Pac-12 is not looking like it's in a good spot. I love George Klyakov. I think he's going to do a really good job. But because uh, the Pac-12 had that shortened football season, basically all the teams only played a handful of games because of uh, COVID, and they you know weren't going to have the season at all, and then put it together late. Um, you know, the Big Ten got a couple extra weeks out of their season. The, the SEC had. Only 10 games, but man, they did all SEC games. I think they really killed it there. It crushed the Pac-12 in revenue when they re for uh, fiscal year 2021 because of all the, the games that were missed. Um, the Pac-12 fell to last place in the Power Five. Less than $20 million per school was distributed. Fourth place was the Big 12, and they had almost $36 million. So significant difference. And if you're looking at the SEC, they had 54, you know, almost $55 million. So, you know, that's per school for one school year, um, you know, a $35 million difference if you're Vanderbilt versus USC, uh, what you're getting uh, for the school. So that's bad. Now, George Klyavkov came out and said that that's going to be corrected. You know, the pandemic was the main reason for that one. So it's definitely the most bleak uh, revenue report. But if you look at uh, John Wilner does a great job covering the Pac-12. He projected for 2022, 2023, and 2024 what the payouts would be. And, you know, the Pac-12 doesn't get to redo their deal until after 2024. So this is what they're, you know, they're going to be stuck in this kind of 
this you know, pay scale, the ACC was below the Pac-12 in revenue. They they launched the ACC network that actually works. I, I don't think it's that great, but it does give the schools more money than what the Pac-12 network gives. So the Pac-12 has now dropped to fifth in, in revenue, Oof. even even without the pandemic. But if you look at the that four-year stretch, Wilner put out all the numbers there, the... <laughs> The total payout per school for that four-year stretch for the Pac-12 is going to be 133.2 million. So that's what you know. Oregon State gets, Washington gets, USC, Arizona State. Like that's what everyone's going to get over that four-year period because it's when the, the 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 contract will be different in 2025. But through the next four years, 133.2 million. That's what each Pac-12 team will get. Every Big Ten team is going to get $252.8 million, almost $253 million. The SEC, $238 million. The Pac-12, this is not like a conference is down $100 million. Each school will be getting $100 million less over a four-year period than any school in the SEC and any school in the Big Ten, meaning Purdue... And USC, you put them side by side, what's their revenue from their conference over the four-year period? Purdue's going to get $120 or $115 million more. Uh, I think it's $120, yeah, maybe $120, something like that. More than $100 million more than what USC is going to get. And Vanderbilt, same thing. They'll get $100 million more than what USC would have earned over that time. So that's not good, I think. Mike Bone's going to know about that. <laughs> That's not good. Mike Bone, you know, like when this new deal comes up, even if the Pac-12 can't get close uh, to these other conferences, and to be fair, they're a lot closer to the ACC and the Big 12, but the the Big 10 and the SEC are like far and away. It's like two, it's like the power two and then the other three. And they're close, but they're still like 30 million, 35 million less than what those other conferences get than the ACC or the Big 12. Do you think but, he can get to three? Uh, that's a. I, I think the ACC has a terrible TV deal. I think they can pass the AC. I think they can get to three. Okay, but which is fine. But you're still like there's you're, you'd be the top of like the second tier. Anyway. Top of the losers. You can't get to SEC or Big Ten territory. But can USC give themselves a better deal so that they're making closer to? I don't know. George Klyovkov has shown a lot of uh, resolve when it comes to we want our flagship programs to continue to be flagship programs and fight for playoffs. What does Mike Bone say? Can he threaten to go independent? Can he threaten to join the Big Ten? Like there's been all kinds of rumors out there. Uh, but these numbers are a little bleak. So I'm sorry to be depressing, but just a little bleak, I guess, Chris. I mean, thank you, Larry. Is that <laughs> yes? Is that is that how is that how we just sum- summarize everything? Pandemic aside, thank you, Larry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the numbers aren't great, especially when college football is a straight up arms race at this point in terms of you know facilities and coaching hires and spending money on coaching staffs, and then you have NIL thrown in there, and then the transfer portal. It's just this whole thing, and money makes the wheels go. So if you're short a hundred million over four years, that you know you look at 138 million or whatever you said, and that that looks good. But like when you look over and they got 250 million, you're gonna notice that difference right off the jump when when the, you're talking about these college programs, especially 
a program like USC that obviously has been nationally relevant before, working their way back up to being nationally relevant, an extra hundred mil will go a long way to, yeah. to getting them back to you know that Ohio State, that Alabama, that LSU, whatever, that blue blood uh, uh, foundation, you know, getting back there. So they they need that money. It's and we, I mean, when you look at those numbers, when you're talking like, you know, seven, eight, nine figures, right? Like, that's a huge amount of money. That's not a conference level. Like, you think, oh, the the Big Ten made 130 more million than the the Pac-12. No, that's per school. That's each individual school. So, yeah. like, if Purdue wants to hire Lincoln Riley, like, they have like. Hundred million dollars over four years to like put in the Lincoln Riley fund. You know, I mean, like that's that's a lot of money that you could use on a lot of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think Mike Bone has to. You know, they're going to dig into this stuff, and I think they're going to stand up for USC. And you know, if they want to remain members of the Pac-12, I think they're going to try to get themselves a better deal, uh, if at all possible. Look, when my Terps are getting more money than the Trojans. Sums off there. Way more money. Uh, the Terps, like, a, so when uh, Rutgers and Maryland joined the Big 12, Big 10, they didn't, uh, they weren't full, like, they didn't get full shares. Are they, like, are they up to full share now? Like, do they get the, an equal, there's, what are they, 14 now? Is there 14 teams in the Big 10? I think so. I believe so, yes. Yeah. So they get an equal share now? Are they are they back? I know They should good. be. We're getting the shit kicked out of us in the Big Ten <laughs> football every every GD Saturday. We better be getting that that check. Yeah, Look, you you could get you could hang fifty on us, Ohio State. But if we get the check, it feels a little bit better. But Maryland won the Big Ten baseball, women's lacrosse, and lacrosse. So I just want to say, hey, non revs, let's go. Yeah, like they win at like the ACC sports. That's cool. Hey man, yeah. I didn't like the way you said that. <laughs> I didn't like the way you said that. That's what they are. Uh, all right, there's a bunch of odds and uh, rankings and stuff I want to kind of go over. Like, so USC, the hype train is like, I wish I had a train whistle, like full on, full effect, right? This is like people are <laughs> jumping on the USC bandwagon. So we have a few like examples of what's going on here. And this is all early betting. We're in May, right? But uh, our friend, we have you know, Max Meyer, uh, used to be around the USC beat a bunch. Uh, he wrote this for uh, Caesar Sportsbook. Um, so all like, there's a lot of money coming in, you know, that there's a lot of, you know, gambling's not just in Vegas anymore. You can bet in a lot of different States. We can't here in California. Um, so there's all the, you know, you know, everything that USC's added, right? You hire Lincoln Riley, you bring in all the transfers and all this kind of stuff. So he wrote with, uh, these major additions, Caesar Sportsbook betters have had strong interest in USC of late. In fact, the Trojans have attracted the most money at Caesar Sportsbook to win the college football national championship over the past month. So 22% of the total dollars wagered to win the college football national championship have come in on USC. They're also the third in number of tickets uh, at 10%. And uh, right now they're trailing. Uh, the title favorite is Alabama. Uh, they had 16% of the bets uh, of the tickets. And uh, LSU had 12%. But the third most, as far as like total number of betting tickets, um, people are betting Alabama, people are betting LSU, and they're betting USC. But more money came in on USC than any other <laughs> program to win the national title. I would say pump the brakes <laughs> a little bit, but I mean, how crazy is that, Chris? Look, if you want 
to put your hard-earned money on USC to win the national championship, you do you. That's that's what if that's what you want to do, go for it. But yes, we would pump the brakes on that because it's like people that are putting the money, these betters, they don't actually sort of like see a team up close like we do all the time. And while USC has completely overhauled the roster and and you know traded out some guys that didn't fit and brought on guys that do fit, it's still a really tough turnaround from a team that won four games last year. Yeah. To winning the national championship the very next year, you know, with culture and, you know, flipping that culture and sort of not having, you know, a super big freshman class like, you know, that's going to be super impactful uh, as, as you know, it's not like 25 kids. It's like it's not like Texas A&M's class. You know, it's not right. like a historic class like that in terms of the freshmen. You got some really nice transfers. You got some guys that are going to be role players. You know, you look at an offensive line and it's like you wish they would have got a little bit more offensive line depth. Still looking for that, I, I think. Good offensive line up front. Well, they're a couple injuries away from being in trouble, though. So I wouldn't even like really consider them to be like a true national championship contender. You could talk me into betting for them for a playoff, for a playoff bid, like competing, yeah. like being in the discussion, like first college football play, playoff rankings. They're like 10 or something. You could talk me into that. I'm not – I wouldn't touch. No. I wouldn't burn that money for national championship. But like I said at the top of this rant, you do you. That's what you want to do. You do you. But 4-8 to national championship, that's never been done. No. And, you know, USC is going to beat Rice by like 50, right? And then there's going to be a lot of talk. Remember last year, who did USC lose to week two? Stanford. They were terrible. Fire Clay Helton. Dante Williams comes in. They go to Washington State. Get, really get their best win of the year uh, at Washington State. Um, Oof. If that's your best win. What'd you say? I said, if that's your best win of the year. That was the best win. I mean, Washington State is a bowl team, right? You know, like they're, they're you know, they fired their coach too. Um, and uh, Jake Dickert has done a nice job there. But I think you could argue that's USC's best win of the year. And what was the talk? Like, well, what if, you know, are they going to hire Dante Williams? No. Well, what if they go 11-1? and one They're going to Rose Bowl it up 2017, 16. What if they make the college football playoff? What if they win a national <laughs> championship? Like, they, literally, that's the talk after three weeks of a team that ended up 4-8. and eight. Like, that, we, we talked about, like, people were asking us those kind of questions a lot. They're going to ask us a lot of questions. But after, like, week one, USC beats the crap out of Rice. It's going to keep building. It's only going to build, you know, until they lose a game or if they look like crap, like if they look like crap against somebody that's bad, but yeah, I don't get that one. Um, but you know, if you believe ESPN, Chris, apparently USC's playoff team, right? Yeah. I mean, ESPN just went F it, F it, <laughs> you know, they moved them up to number 12 after spring camps, which is like, okay, that's like high. I wouldn't, I probably would keep them like just outside the 15. You could talk me into 15. Yeah, but like, they put them at 12 after yeah, the like, spring game. That's like high, but that's not like you should be institutionalized, right? Like, and then after but the, then, yeah, after Addison committed, they were like, F it, F it, boys, let's go. <laughs> they broke the glass on the, the hype train thing. They're like, we're, they did it, they did it, let's go, publish it, publish it. And they jacked them all the way up to four. Four. 
Just just take that in with me. Preseason four. number four. As many wins as they had last say, year. That's exactly. Four wins to number four in the that that's all just, comes around. Like, it all makes sense. You know, it's like how? Like surrender Cobra. Like that's like no. Uh if they had if Jordan Addison had been three starting caliber linemen out of the SEC, <laughs> then, defense yeah. and offense, sure, you could talk me into four, but like it's just, you know, Blinikoff winner, sure, but he can't block, you know? He can't you know, stuff the middle as a nose guard, you know, there's still depth issues. So four is very high. And it's, I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to four in like the AP or anything. No, no, that this is just the ESPN's deal. AP is not huffing glue. You know, they're going to be a little more reasonable on this. So. And even like, even if there's like really, really good reasons for us to be number four, like the AP probably wouldn't put you there. They're going to be, right. it's going to be a trailing indicator more than like, they're going to, they're going to react later. Uh, when you, if USC's win a bunch of games, and uh, who was for was Utah when they were twelve. So now USC is the highest rated Pac-12, Pac-12 team, team for this for this in the eyes of uh, ESPN. Utah went to six. Okay, it's, I still think Utah is going to be good, but we'll see. I so, would still have Utah ranked ahead of USC. Yeah, uh, certainly ahead of Oregon. People were putting like Oregon ahead of Utah, and like Utah played them twice last year, and it was not close. It was blowout city both times. Uh, and since then, Oregon lost their coach. I watched that game, so. Yeah. Uh, there's also a bunch of odds about the over-under for win totals and stuff. I think a lot of the ones we saw were like eight and a half for USC, but Bet Online, uh, they kind of, I don't know, they put some weird stuff out there sometimes. Uh, USC has the highest in the Pac-12, according to Bet Online, nine and a half regular season wins. So Oregon, Utah, and UCLA, they all have as eight and a half. But for USC, they have... You know, nine and a half wins. So to win this bet, and a lot of times it sort of seems like a a bet that you're trying to get fans to bet the over on. You got to bet. You got to basically predict USC's going to. Not basically. You have to predict USC's going to get double digit wins if you want to win the over bet. So they got to be ten and two in the regular season, which is I think is possible. Mm-hmm. But man, I I don't think I could. I, I wouldn't touch that one for sure. If I was betting, I'd bet the under. But I think like nine and threes. I think nine and three seems to be about the sweet spot for me. But what do you think, Chris? Yeah, that nine and three range kind of kind of feels good. We've talked about I've talked about this on the composite two star with Gerard. In terms of like recruiting, you want to get to that eight wins. You need it like double last year at, at minimum. It just looks sexier. Yeah, seven isn't sexy. Six isn't sexy, even though it's no, a goal. No, no, no. Eight, nine, ten. Those are the sexy numbers you like to hit. Anything over that, you're good. You're golden. But you you want to get in that eight, nine, eight, nine ren- range. 8-9, that's sort of where I feel good about. 10, very doable, though. Very doable, especially if you're just going to outscore everyone. Yeah, uh, but I'd like to bet it. Like, I think things have to go right for it to be 10, but yeah. All right, well, anyway, there's a bunch of odds and stuff. There's the, the hype train, whoop, whoop, is going. Uh, I just want someone listening to this podcast not listening to this segment at all while they're like throwing their rent on USC to win the natty. Oh, they just, didn't, they just like didn't listen to anything we said. They were just too distracted. Oh, that, I'm gonna. Oh, I'm gonna like pull up my betting thing and uh, you know I'm and go for, for it. Yeah, bet for the natty. Uh, a lot of talk about that. And I, I think the you know because betting is becoming uh, sports betting is becoming such a big part. Uh, you know, a lot of states have opened up with it, and there's a lot of apps out there. You're seeing a lot of commercials for it. I think they want you. I mean, getting excited. Like if you don't really care about the NBA playoffs and 
heck, every one of these games seems to be blowouts. There's like 20-point leads in every game. You can bet on college football futures. There's a lot of like diehard fans that are just following college football the whole time, and they know when Jordan Addison commits and what it could mean for USC and all that. Uh, did have an interesting conversation this week, Chris. Uh, you might have heard of this dude, uh, Alex Grinch. He's USC's defensive coordinator. Oh, I might have, yeah. Yeah. Sounds familiar. He was nice enough to come on our little show here, a uh, little Tunnel Vision, Trojan Update, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But I'm trying to do more one-on-one interviews uh, throughout the offseason. Like Lunch with a Trojan. It's like Lunch with a Trojan, but I don't know. The name, I just sort of was like, uh, it, it, then it was like implying lunch. You well, you know. didn't actually eat lunch on the show? Didn't eat lunch. Oh. No. It was just sort of like it was like a lunchtime Wow, today, today I learned that lunch was not actually consumed on these shows. No. It would be like, I would love to have him come into the studio in person and stuff. Uh, but it was nice of uh, Alex to kind of come on and, and chat about stuff. So we had like a, you know, 25 minute one-on-one conversation. And, you know, I try to, you can check it out up over at uscfootball.com. But, you know, trying to get him to talk about the, his defensive philosophies and, you know, moving in, you know, the Southern California, he gave his wife, Rebecca, a lot of credit because he's like, you don't even really realize like all the stuff that has to happen when you're, um, you know, you're, you're a coach and you're moving jobs and, you know, you got kids and trying to find schools and homes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we only look at it from the football stand of view, but point of view, but yeah, there's a lot going on there, but it, I thought it was an interesting conversation. He gives some, he gives some like lengthy answers. He'll talk quite a bit. So he's I think a talker. He some... He'll, he'll, when you ask him something after practice, he'll, he'll give you a good, a good answer and kind of the. The two things I was interested to hear what he had had to say was about, you know, two players you asked specifically about, which was obviously Corey Foreman, the five-star everyone has big hope for, hopes for in his sophomore season, kind of taking that step forward. And then Eric Gentry, the freshman All-American linebacker at Arizona State. What did he have to say about those guys? Yeah, uh, it was cool. So, I, I mean, there was limited time, but there was a couple of players I did want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Foreman, you know, there was one practice, Chris, I think, we would just talk Foreman like the entire time with, it might've been with Grinch or it was somebody, I forget who, maybe Nua. Nua yeah. It was just like Manning. Foreman for, yeah. Manning would talk about him a lot. Ask some of the security guys what they thought about him. Just like yeah. everyone was talking about Foreman. Foreman's popular topic. So I, I definitely wanted to bring him up, you know, when you're talking like a former uh, five-star dude and, you know, he missed some of the early, the, the time early. And, you know, for us, we'd be like, Oh, he missed some practices. And for Grinch, it was like, you know, missing a day is a big deal. And uh, so he's like, you only get 15 of them. And so you miss one. He was like, yeah, that's, you know, that's a, you know, potentially significant. Um, but, you know, you learn a lot. Those days goes fast. So if you miss the first four or five practices, like you can kind of get behind. But um, he said he gave him a lot of credit, though. He said it was, uh, he, he thought, especially, you know, the way he started the spring, that he finished with the needle pointing up. Uh, big athlete, he can run, uh, he has all the attributes and he thinks Roy Manning's doing a tremendous job with him on the edge. Uh, he thinks he can be an elite player over time, uh, but he does have to continue, uh, to develop. So it's not like he's there yet, but he could see that potential. Like when we heard from Leonard Williams, uh, on the sidelines of the spring game, didn't know who he was, but he said number zero, like stood out to him. So I think it sounded like from what Grinch was saying, you see that potential, but Obviously, he's got to, he can be elite, but he's got to still develop to kind of mm. get there. He's got to prove himself on the field, you know, get stronger and develop. But, uh, you know, he thinks he's, he said, all told, he thinks he's going to be a heck of a Trojan. So, uh, you know, positive stuff, I guess, coming uh, from Grinch on 
Foreman. It's uh fan. I mean, being like the number one ranked player in the country, there's going to be a level of expectations, right? And when you don't do much that first year, you're not on the field all that much. You're, you're not dressed out. It. Yeah. Uh, you definitely hear about it. So I think the players, I mean, I think if he was like the number one ranked player and the coaches didn't think he could play, I don't think they'd be talking about him like this. I think they're talking about him like this because they're like, they think he can play because they don't want to sell. Oh yeah. He was a five-star. He's going to be great. If they don't think he's going to be great. I don't think they could say that because now you're on the hook and you're like, Hey, you never got to be great. Uh, so there seemed to be some optimism, I guess, towards Foreman actually turning into a great player. Yeah. I mean, he's talked about, you know, those expectations of, that status and he kind of mentioned how he didn't really look at it like that when he went into high school or sorry excuse me college you know that's something it's cool but it's something you leave in the past and you know Riley has talked about it and you know this this staff in terms of what we've heard from players is that they don't they don't bs you know they're going to tell it to you straight and so obviously what they tell us maybe it isn't as always what they're telling the players you know but if they're giving like some sort of hope and excitement for a guy, then I would imagine that there is they're showing something and we're going to get to see something from from X player or, or Y player. So you just got to be able to listen. You know, Corey obviously still has a long way to go in terms of being that impact player playing behind Romello. Romello seems to be good for him in terms of a guy who has SEC experience, a guy who can, you know, he can look up to in terms of hey, this is what I need to do if I want to see the field playing behind him. So less pressure, you know, he's not a starter. He can come in and kind of play a little more freely like that. So I think he's in a really good spot. And I expect, you know, a good amount of sacks this year just just playing that defense. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, but you also asked about Eric Gentry. That was weird when I was going to ask him about it. Now, USC's tweeted out pictures of him. So he's he's enrolled. He's, you know, he's on the roster. Like Eric Gentry, the Arizona State, you know, freshman All-American linebacker. It's part of the USC program, but we're just so conditioned to not asking coaches about like the new player, like any kind of recruits or whatever, like before they're signed. But it was great because he could talk about him a little bit. And I, you know, I asked him like, where you think he's going to play? You know, he's got this long frame, six foot five, six foot six. Uh, and, you know, he talked about playing, um, you know, inside or outside linebacker. Uh, they just kind of want to get him in and sort of kind of see what, um, you know, He's got some flexibility in the position, but they kind of want to see like where, when they get to work with him a little bit. I'll put a picture up uh, of of Eric when he was at Arizona State, and he said, uh, "Grinch said I'm excited about Eric. Uh, excited about uh, adding the body type, the experience he had in just a short amount of time in college, but also the mentality. He's a unique guy, unique guy to be around." Um, let me switch this one up. He said, uh, "Like I said, we're excited to be uh, around him. What he can bring to the table and the experience." Um, there used to be a phrase, what's the best thing about a freshman? They turn into sophomores. So if we can take advantage of the time he had last last year at the last place and find an appropriate role for him, get him caught up from a scheme standpoint in the summer, which he's very confident they can do, then they can turn him loose this fall. Um, but he's a guy that's still young, so they want to get uh, Benny Wiley, the strength and conditioning coach in the weight room on him, add some mass, and continue to develop him. And that, that way... He can be an elite, you know, football player at this level. So, uh, another guy just like you see, tons of potential. Didn't sound like he's going to someone and they're like starting him like right away, but 
sounds like someone like, hey, we can build, you know, put some muscle on this guy, and there's a, you know, sky's the limit of, of what he could do. Yeah, I mean, I think Gentry is sort of, you know, outside of uh, Addison is sort of like one of the players fans are most excited to see. You know, he has that that background as a former freshman All-American. He was very productive. Everyone you talk to is very high on him in terms of what he can do. Yeah, you want him to see him put him a little a little more weight, but he was effective last year at six foot six and sort of a two hundred pound linebacker. And the that versatility that that we expect, you know, Grinch sort of backed that up as a guy who could play inside, outside. We I talked about this with Gerard on our show about maybe him playing edge, but you don't. Really, I think he's a better off the ball linebacker. You don't because you get a big six foot six lineman on him, put his hands on him. You know he's only two hundred pounds. Yeah. He's not going to be able to like outstrength him most of the time. He's got the quickness. Yeah, he could win a couple, but if he's got that hands on you and he outweighs you by a hundred and thirty pounds, <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? So. I think he's a better sort of, you know, outside linebacker, show that that speed, that athleticism. So I'm excited to see what he what he can do. You know, he's there. He's probably going to push Raylan Goforth for that that weak side spot. You know, USC could be starting two transfers at middle linebacker. So it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. You know, a Shane Lee, you know, uh, a Gentry uh, uh, duo in the middle. That'd be a very interesting sight because, you know, Shane Lee, not the tallest guy. He's like legit six. He's a, he's a bowling ball, and then you had the really tall, lanky yeah. uh, Gentry. So that would make a nice like a little contrast. Hardy thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we'll see how that looks. So, uh, yeah, that's a that's a big pickup for this defense, uh, especially that defensive front where they he, need more speed. He's one of the ones I'm more excited about. You know, as far as like future, not just like transfer play right away kind of guy, but just for the future. Like, yeah, he's someone that was like, a what's stud. he gonna look like in two years? Yeah. I think could be completely different. Um, I don't want to do too much time on this, but the uh, there were you know, the Pittsburgh radio. I, I forget his name, Andrew, Andrew Filippoli Phil- or something. Yeah, he uh, went on like a twenty minute rant. We put a story up on uscfootball.com about you know the terrible USC buying Jordan Addison from Pitt and all this horrible stuff. You can check. You know, we we uh, put it up on uscfootball.com. He wants the Coliseum to be. Blown up. Blown up. He thinks he hopes that the USC football program gets disbanded and never wins a game again and would like to, I think it was beat up Lincoln Riley in an alley or something. He he went on a lot. This was pretty, he he thought Colin Cowherd was on USC's payroll, uh, which is pretty funny. Like Colin makes a ton of money. Like he he just loves USC. He's not on anybody's payroll. Um, But this was just sort of like a lover scorned kind of outrage. And uh, he kind of added to it. This week, when he said that Jordan Addison's, Addison's parents showed up uh, to pick up his equipment or whatever from the locker room, and you know, apparently, when they did so, they were decked uh, head to toe in uh, USC gear. And I know you were on vacation, Chris, so I needed to pull out some Twitter snark. So I wrote, uh, so I quote tweeted him. So he said, "Interesting story about Pitt today. Addison family showed up." To move Jordan Addison out of the football team's apartment complex in full USC gear, head to toe. Trojan logos everywhere. Would love to hear, would love to have seen former coaches and players' reactions. Um, and there were, he was getting a lot of hate, and there were some Pitt fans that were backing him up. But I, I tweeted, uh, I love college football, but let's face it, our sport has a lot of problems, perhaps none bigger than parents who insist on supporting their son by wearing the gear of the program they play for. Hashtag 
make it stop. So I tried to do a little uh, snark and I uh, got a lot of likes and stuff on it. There were some people that didn't know that I was being sarcastic. They were like, wait, how could you think that's a big problem? You know, and it's like, um, did you read everything else around this? Like you have to understand the the sarcasm there, but it, it's just getting a little out of control, Chris. Like, come on. And and his mom even tweeted in there. Like, the, first of all, that wasn't true. Like, I'm picturing like they probably wore like a sweatshirt, maybe a hat or something, and then it becomes head to toe. Like, did they have USC socks and shoes on? Like, I I don't even see USC fans mostly wearing that. But they, you know, they were going to show up the pit putting on like, you know, I like USC bow tie. Like, I don't know. Like, it just seems like that was. The story didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, it just seems like you're you're upset that your girlfriend broke up with you, and we're just gonna keep complaining about everything that's ever happened. And see, that was her fault, and that was her fault, and they shouldn't have done this, and blah blah blah. But it it just uh, that one was like, come on, dude, you're you're now you're getting on his parents for coming to pick up his stuff. It was just crazy. And you sort of joked that you should have him on the show. I yeah. I, well, I would rather go on his show probably. Like, I don't know if it does much. Like I'm from, I lived in Pittsburgh. I'm a Steeler oh, fan. Okay, I'm so a, you, 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 you could. Uh, I could talk. You could, I could speak. Pit. I could. I could yunzer it up with those guys. You know, <laughs> like going downtown to. You know, but you're not where they'd be like super aggressive to you off the bat. I don't care. Like, like I've done this long enough. You know, you go on their show. I'd rather them be. You know, and we could have them on, but I don't think their USC fans would really care. Like, I, I mean, I think a lot of the stuff they just don't even realize. Like. Dude, USC doesn't have a collective. Like, Josh Connerly went to Oregon because, according to reports, they got some money from there. And USC didn't have, like, a collective put together for that kind of stuff. Uh, the reasons Jordan Addison were at USC are more football reasons than anything else. And I'm sorry if, you know, there's a there's a class system in college football. Like, Alabama and Ohio State are a different class than Pitt. And when USC acts like it, they're in a different class than Pitt. So, People are excited about USC. Jordan Addison gets excited about USC. Like, yeah, I want to go there. I want to play with Caleb Williams. And, um, you know, no offense to, to Keaton Slovis, but he got to play in the spring with him. I mean, if you thought Keaton Slovis was going to, you know, be able to get him 100 balls or whatever, fine. I mean, we saw Slovis throw the, the ball to Drake London a lot of times. I mean, he can get it to the main receiver. We've seen that before. But he wanted to, you know, change the scenery. He lost his quarterback. He lost his OC. He lost his wide receiver coach. It's just, there's just more logical reasons why he would go and everything that this guy was talking about just seemed like a lover scorned big lover scorned and honestly a little unhinged but <laughs> a little unhinged yeah maybe maybe he was just playing it up a little bit to get the clicks or whatever because we're talking about it now so we are it works so but yeah just very very salty i'm worried about his sodium levels <laughs> i'm worried about his sodium levels all right. Well, we got a lot. We went through a lot of stuff here. We I didn't did. think we have that much. So why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, answer your questions. Mm-hmm. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. We're back on the Peristyle Podcast. If you're on YouTube watching, it's not really a break at this point, but we just kind of like play the music and you can see me and Chris like bob our heads a little bit. Uh, but thank you for watching on YouTube. Thanks for listening on the Parasol Podcast. Uh, we got some questions to get to. Why don't we start with a voicemail? Here you go. Hey, guys. Just wanted to address this Jordan Addison situation with Pittsburgh and everybody that's lost their collective Oklahoma-like minds out there in Pittsburgh. Coach of Pittsburgh and the radio broadcaster in Pittsburgh. You know, the transfer portal taketh, the transfer portal giveth. Pittsburgh, didn't you just take USC's starting quarterback in the transfer portal? USC lost two of their starting quarterbacks in the transfer <coughs> portal of the last cycle. So what did USC do? Went out and got another quarterback. Go out and get another wide receiver, Pittsburgh. I understand that your little stranglehold on the ACC may have only lasted for one year, but you guys need to quit acting like redheaded stepchildren. And I mean no disrespect to anybody out there that's a redheaded stepchild. Pittsburgh, quit your whining. These are the rules. Play by the rules. Go out there. I'm sure there's another receiver you can find. You lost your starting quarterback to the NFL, lost your offensive coordinator. That's the way the breaks go. Pony up, boys. Bye. Rob and Ukiah. Thanks, Rob. Uh, yeah, someone in that thread that I tweeted put, like, wait till USC fans have to deal with this when you lose your best player somewhere else. And, and I was like, like a few weeks ago, they had Josh Connerly, you know, locked up the number, you know, the top player on the West Coast, the number, you know, five-star offensive tackle. Uh, all the crystal balls were USC. All of everything, we had all these stories written because he was coming to USC. And last minute, he switched to Oregon. Like, it happens. Like, that's... But if you cry about it and you <laughs> sit there and whine about it, you're going to lose time on probably finding another option, you know? What, what can you do? But move on. Throw on some Juco tape, see a guy like Cooper Lovelace. Hey, 
this guy looks pretty good. Let's uh, let's go get him. Let's go get a JUCO kid. Yeah. So just got to move on to the next. Got to keep it moving. Yeah, I just want to think the, the reaction there is just sort of like it's just over. You know, I think Oklahoma fans, you could be upset in the beginning, but it just has gone on way too far. And same thing with pit fans. Like, I mean, it's. I don't think a lot of the pit, pit fans th- will die down. Oklahoma is forever. Yeah, that's going to be forever. <laughs> uh, Eric in Duck Country wrote in. He says, Ryan and Chris, do you think a new Pac-12 TV deal will bring in enough money for USC? Or could you see teams like USC and Oregon getting poached by expanded Big Ten? Uh, Eric and Duck Country. I mean, better we, get them more money. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, okay. So for us selfishly, could you imagine like if USC joined the Big Ten, like, that would be huge for us. Like the what we like the stories, the the content, playing a whole bunch of new teams. Like we get to go to Ann Arbor. We could there. I mean, selfishly, you're you're already good. you're already excited. You're already planning it. I, I mean, <laughs> I would I would welcome the uh, the Big Ten overlords for coming in. Um, like just for us, like that would be great. I mean, I love the Pac-12. I do a Pac-12 podcast. I don't want to see the Pac-12 get broken up. But, you know, I want to see I, – I want USC to, like, act in their own best interest, which they haven't done, I mean, for decades, you know. Uh, if you remember back in the, the late 70s, and Dan Weber would talk about this a lot, uh, I forget who the president of USC was at the time, but they were voting to expand the conference to include Arizona and Arizona State. And I think it was, like, Stanford's president that was saying – yeah, we know what I'm in, so we're just not going to go, you know, with it. And it made sense, but they were just kind of being dicks about it or whatever for like selfish reasons. And the president, USC president, was like, "All right, that's cool, we'll leave." And they're like, "Oh, oh, oh okay, okay, uh, yeah, they can get in." You know, that's throwing your weight around. And I don't feel like USC's done that in a long time. Uh, you know, Pat Hayden. I mean, they were just like rolling over. They didn't know what they were doing. I think Mike Bone can use, you know, throw the weight around at USC. It doesn't mean you have to leave. It doesn't mean you have to go independent, but you have to be able to explore that option. When he said that on this show, when I talked to Mike Bone and he was like, we're going to, I asked him like, could you go independent? And he said, we're going to keep all options open. That went around, that got around and like, oh, and you know, is Oregon state going to say, Hey, we want the schedule to be, so we get to play in Los Angeles every other year or whatever it is like, or, you know, Okay, well, if you want to do that, USC is going to leave. Like, oh, okay, no, no, we'll 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 not play down there as much as we want. Um, we won't take as an equal share. I think there's the you start to realize like you need USC to be the the conference needs USC a lot more than USC needs the conference, and USC hasn't acted like that. So they don't have to leave. They don't have to you know go independent, but you you have to tell people and let people know you could. So. Before you say, no, 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 we're not giving USC any kind of special treatment or whatever. Um, well, all right. What, what's better? Would you rather give them a, a higher share of the TV revenue to compensate for being in a more expensive Los Angeles market? Or would you rather them go? Like, you're much better off giving them a little bit more money. You than, have the leverage. Right. I think in the old TV deal, the LA schools got like an extra like million dollars. Uh, or something. It was it was something small, but they did get like more. And then when Larry Scott came in, it was equal all across the board. So, thank you, Larry. Uh, yeah, uh, something like that. All right. Uh, any other th- thoughts on that? I got or no is- more thoughts. You you handled that beautifully. But what would happen to the podcast of champions if the if the the pack was dissolved and you know USC went 
to the Big Ten or something like that. Okay. So I make exactly zero dollars doing the podcast of champions i do like doing it we get like a sponsor every once in a while um but like it's more of a labor of love it's fun i do like i learn more about the rest of the pac-12 and so when i'm covering usc like you know i know i knew who cameron rising was before you know like a lot of times usc fans like ah who's the quarterback at utah like I know a lot about the stars in the Pac-12 just because I do the podcast of champions. If USC was no longer part of the Pac-12, I can't, I mean, potentially I could do it, but I don't think I would. I just don't think uh, I would be able to do that. I'd love it to keep going and let someone take my place. Um, but if the Pac-12 disbanded, like if four teams left for another conference or something, yeah, then it would be dead. But it would be hard if the if USC wasn't part of the Pac-12 for me to continue to do that. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Let's do a voicemail. Hi, uh, this question is for the Chris and Ryan show. Um, yeah, just wanted to ask, why why is everyone freaking out about Utah? Like, I get it. They're, they're a really good team. Formed well at the end of the year last year. Um, you know, they did lose to San Diego State, did lose to BYU. Uh, but this is the same team, right, that this is this team that USC has no shot of beating um, with, you know, Caleb Williams and, you know, a really, really uh, strong crop of wide receivers. The same team that lost to Matt Fink, right, who just, like, decided to step back and chuck the ball 40 yards down, 40 yards down the field and hope someone would catch it. Like, yeah, they have a great defensive line, but – you know, in 2020, they got smoked by USC because they had a bad secondary. In the Rose Bowl, they got smoked, you know, because they had a bad secondary. I don't think they've done a lot to improve the secondary. They got some guys coming back healthy, but, I mean, let's see. Um, and you could have a great rush, uh, but they're probably going to have to, you know, drop eight. Um don't think that's going to work in the same way it did against uh, Graham Harold's offense. I think we have a really good crop of running backs. This offensive line is going to be doing a lot of uh, pulling power plays and trap plays that are really going to push the ball forward. So, again, like, Utah's great, and it's going to be a really hard game for USC to win. But Matt think you know, come on. Eddie from uh, Orange County. Hey, Eddie, thanks for that one. Um, okay. So Utah almost beat Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Uh, and they had to play a running back at cornerback. So there was some uh, depletions in the the Utah secondary for for one. The team Matt Fink, Fink beat, this is a lot different team. And when you mentioned they lost to BYU and lost to San Diego State, yeah. That's before Cam Rising uh, took over at quarterback. I think everything changed. They, they were a team that brought in a lot of transfers. And once, you know, first month of the season was gone and they gelled and they got their quarterback, they looked really good. Um, you know, they lost on the road to to Oregon State. And Oregon State always plays really well at home. That was kind of a weird game. But they beat the absolute snot out of Oregon twice. Like, absolutely crushed them both times in the championship game. Uh, they are a legit team that can run the ball. They're physical on both lines. Cam Rising is throwing the ball over the field and taking off and breaking off 50-yard runs. Uh, he celebrated on the Coliseum field last year. I mean, you saw him last year, right? Like, you were talking about the Matt Fink year. Well, they played in the Coliseum last year, and they got their, pretty much their whole team back, and it wasn't a game. 
you know, and now you're going to take that game to Salt Lake City. USC is completely capable of beating Utah, but I think Utah is a very complete team with an established coach, uh, a star quarterback, uh, you know, one of the best in the Pac-12, and they get a home game against USC. And I think USC is going to be a more talented team on paper, but this is a team that, you know, their culture has been established. USC is putting in a whole new, you know, installing a whole new culture. Utah's has been the same way for, you know, Whittingham's been there, what, 17 years or something. Uh, not a whole lot has changed. So I'm not saying USC can't win, but that's easily for me the toughest game the Trojans have on their schedule. I'll keep it short. I just think a lot of people re- obviously respect Coach Whittingham and sort of he's one of the best coaches in the country and he's done some good things, a lot of good things there at Utah. That team was young last year. They, they, in the year before that, they, you know, 2020, they took their lumps, got a lot better. Uh, 2021, obviously had that great season. This team is a veteran team, you know, knows how to win. It went to the, to the Rose Bowl. They played in some big games, won the Pac-12 championship, got a good quarterback coming back, obviously in rising. They're just really talented and really experienced. And, you know, you lose a uh, a first round pick like Devin Lloyd at linebacker, but Utah finds guys. They they reload. They have these guys. You know, Clark Phillips, you know, could be a first round pick next year. They they have really good, talented players. They always are going to play hard. They're going to play tough. And I just think they're always going to be a dogfight most of the time. So I think that's why Utah is still has to be considered at least the favorite going into the season. And I think they have to be ranked ahead of Utah or USC, you know, in any preseason rankings. Obviously not US, US, ESPN because of all that, uh, whatever they're huffing over there. But yeah, I think that, I think, I just think that's, you know, the respect that they have after what they did last year. Yeah. I think USC has like a higher ceiling overall, especially long term. But sure. It's one year. Like you're, you've made all these changes and now you got to go out and play and you got to go play in Salt Lake City. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's any kind of slight towards USC that you would pick Utah to be the favorite in that game. Utah's been driving that same solid Subaru consistent down the road. USC's trying to build a new car on the scratch while, yeah. while, while driving or fix one up while they're driving it. That's sort of the difference. It's like Mad Max. They're like people yes, leaning yeah. over the like soldering, you know, yeah. like welding or whatever. Like, not sorry. Like, It'll be fine in like three years or whatever, two years, but right now it's like a little hectic. Yeah. Couple more, we'll we'll uh, end the show. Don wrote in. He sent an email. I think the addition of Addison should greatly help the offensive line. They should be excited to play with an offense as now constructed. They will finally get a chance to knock people down rather than being in pass protection all the time. Looking for a greatly improved O line. I will be greatly disappointed if the Coliseum is not sold out for the first game. The stench of the last five years is gone, and USC is looking exciting. And one last note. If Pitt raises a fuss, I hope the administration stands by Riley. They do not have a good track record for standing up for their players and coaches. Oh, I'm sure they would stick up for yeah. Lincoln Riley. Yes, dude, they they put a lot into Lincoln Riley. They're going to support him. And I, you know, I've talked to people privately. Yeah, they're disputing most of all the the rumor, the scuttlebutt that's out there. Uh, I don't know about sold out for the first game. It's Rice, but but it's the first game. Yeah. It's a new era. Don't you want to be there for the new era? We I, will. I've definitely told, been told like significant uh, uptick in ticket sales, whether season tickets, single game. Uh, we, you know, we have grown significantly since Lincoln Riley has been hired. Just our site 
subscriptions, traffic, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's been a help for us. It's certainly been a help for USC and their athletic department from what the numbers we were told. So good, yeah, good, good on USC. And just quickly, I I do like his point about the run game being being able to maneuver and pick up stuff, pick up yards because you have Addison and. You know, if you're a secondary or defense, defense, you're you're terrified of you know getting beat by Addison, the Mario, Brendan, whoever you throw out there. So you're going to be a little more concerned. But the pass game opens it up for the run game, and I'm sure I, I have no I have no fear that Lincoln Riley isn't going to take advantage of that and give or take what the what the defense is giving them, which is not something we saw all the time over the last couple of years. So. No. 100% agree with you there. We got one last one from Dave in Agora Hills. Any word on who USC is going to going after for a third scholarship quarterback uh, transfer this year? Thanks and fight on. Have not heard any names or anything like that. You know, that's sort of an interesting one because you do have two walk-on quarterbacks that are coming in. You know, Lincoln, a walk-on quarterback, a former walk-on quarterback himself. Maybe he has a little more confidence that one of those guys can be that third string guy and then there's also you know i guess technically still hope that mo hassan can be right after that achilles heel you know those were his words that i'll be back for fall so maybe it's a situation where they're kind of just waiting to see where 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 mo's gonna be you know in a couple weeks it's like what's the progress is he on track if he's not on track maybe we have to start looking at that that quarterback spot a little more yeah the Who's it like? I can look over the roster here. The walk-on quarterbacks right now. So Mohassan was one. Um, who else is a quarterback? So Caleb Williams. He's not a walk-on. Where's the other guys? So Mohassan, Isaac Ward. So he was from. He's a Georgia kid, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like five ten. You know. So there's like you look at him. He's not like all that impressive when you kind of take a look. Uh, who else was out there that was I when I would look look at the walk-ons, you just weren't really like, oh yeah, that that guy looks like a stud quarterback. I don't have to see anyone else on here. Um I might have missed somebody, but oh Brad Aoki, he's five nine, you know, like so like there's some dudes that are pretty short as far as quarterbacks go that you're you're just not looking at and going, Yeah, that's uh that's gonna be a an option if if these guys get hurt. So even if it's a preferred walk-on, someone like that, you bring in some guy that's got a big arm or whatever it is, or pretty athletic and six foot two, uh, just something because you, you need. So I don't know if it'll be a scholarship guy if they bring in or if they try to bring in someone that could be a high-level walk-on. I'm not sure, but we'll see uh, what they do in the offseason. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyone like – None of the like walk-on quarterbacks like stood out to you. No offense to any of those guys. Like, no, they're more like real walk-on guys. It's not like right. See, the two that are coming in, Gage Roy and I'm sorry, I cannot remember the other other uh, young man's name, but I they they have potential, you know, to yeah. be a really good, you know, reserve guy or a scout guy. So we'll see. We'll have to see what that hap- what happens there. And obviously, like I said, Mohassan possibility could be back so it could work itself out or you know possibly usc is going to have to go portal shopping for for a guy a one-year guy a stopgap guy 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap things up. We uh, we went over an hour when we didn't think we had much to talk about. Uh, appreciate all you guys out there. Uh, Chris, appreciate you coming in. Welcome back from vacation. Uh, hopefully in the next few years you can take another vacation. That'll be good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to in five years <laughs> taking that next one. Uh, but thank you, everyone, on our YouTube channel, on the Peristyle Podcast feed, and over at uscfootball.com for tuning in to our little show. We do appreciate it it and uh, thanks for sending in all your questions i hope you enjoyed it and we will talk to you next time you may have noticed that shopping at trader joe's is unlike shopping at other markets people ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique interesting and delicious products at such great everyday prices this is dan bain of trader joe's the answer is simple it's all in the way we do business we buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.